2: Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. WBBM Newstime, 1203. Great to have you with us for the Thursday edition of the Noon Business Hour. I'm Cisco Cotto. The Noon Business Hour is presented by the Village of Bedford Park. Technology Thursday. When should you get your kids a first phone and what kind of phone should it be? We'll also get the latest on this Internet outage that is affecting many major companies all across the country. Right now, the report on sales of existing homes is out along with the latest tally of jobless claims. Let's see what it says about the economy. Bob Brusca is here, chief economist at Fact and Opinion Economics based in New York. Bob, always appreciate you being on the show. Let's begin with jobless claims. What are we seeing here?
3: Uh, Well, we're seeing some backtracking. Uh, We had seen uh, a pretty sharp uh, decline in claims earlier, and now uh, uh, the claims have bounced back up. What this tells you is that the trend decline in claims that's been going on for a while is really uh, slowing down. And uh, we've seen this for a while, that the job gains just really aren't quite the busting at the seams things that we thought that they might be and that we wanted them to be. Um, they're still pretty st- – p- job gains are still pretty strong. The claims levels, though, are being somewhat stubborn at these higher levels, and the unemployment rate is remaining stubborn at higher levels.
2: And you're uh, just, for whatever reason, I guess a lot have been discussed, but you're still having a lot of workers that could participate that are not, either because they can't find a job or they're just not looking.
3: Right, right. You know, we're going to find out uh, this next month, they're going to have more of those states that cut the extra benefits and see how big of an impact that was. But there's still a lot of people that, quite apart from uh, you know getting paid money to stay home, uh, are quite afraid. There's a fear factor and then we're going to go back to school and if the schools aren't completely open, that's going to be another problem that will hold back women's participation. And then there are people who just got used to working at home and want to continue to work at home, and we'll have to see how that shakes out. So there are a number of different things in the mix that, that can affect job growth and uh, worker participation in the job market.
2: Sales of existing homes, that's something that we've been uh, watching for quite a while. What are we seeing there?
3: Yeah, well, we've got uh, we've got some, some rebound in those sales, and uh, – more broadly, though, there's been a slowdown in those sales. Uh, home affordability is a bit of a problem. Prices are up very high. Of course, mortgage rates now are starting to tackle a little bit lower, and that's going to help with the affordability problem. But there are all kinds of signs that while the housing sector is uh, still showing housing and strong demand, there's a supply problem, there's a price problem, um, and I think the sector is uh, going to slow
2: down. And uh, it, it, I'm thinking as far as prices go, that's one of the things, you, you got people who are selling homes, oh, they love the prices. People buying, not so much.
3: Well, exactly. I mean, there is an affordability issue here. And um, one of the things you have to wonder about, it's the low mortgage rates that make uh, houses affordable at these high prices. And if you buy a house in these low interest rate days, and you try to sell it in higher interest rate days, you're going to have a nasty little surprise. And, uh, you know, you don't have any control over that. You buy a house in the environment that exists when you buy the house. And right now it's very low rates, and that's helping to put high prices on houses. But more broadly, you really have to wonder about
2: that. Thanks so much, Bob Bruska, Chief Economist at Fact and Opinion Economics. Coming up, introducing teenagers to investing, some things you should keep in mind as you get your kids involved in money. Exposing kids to investing at an early age can help them build a solid financial foundation. Let's talk about some of the do's and don'ts. Ed Jertsen is here, certified financial planner, founder of Engage Wealth Group here in Chicago. You can find him online at engagewealthgroup.com. So Ed, when we talk about laying a foundation, let's begin there. Are are we talking about laying a foundation in that they are going to build wealth earlier? Or are, we, are we talking about just good financial principles? I don't know, maybe both of those.
1: Well, you know, getting teenagers involved in understanding money and investments is a great idea, but I don't suggest letting them figure it out themselves. Having a conversation with your children about, you know, why you're investing in their goals is a great first step before just kind of letting them wander out into the ether.
2: So let's begin with uh, maybe some of the big things that you need to go ahead and tell those teens as you slowly but surely let them dip their toes in the water.
1: Yeah, so just like what we do with our financial planning clients, talk to your teens about their goals, their time horizon, and how long it's going to be to meet those goals. So, for instance, setting up an account to help kids pay for college into living expenses and to kind of build that wealth, that is the starting point, is to figure out first and foremost what's important to them, because if they're just starting an app because they would just want to make money and to invest, that is not a very good reason to start. It's more of a function of really solidifying those goals and then the steps in order to to get there
2: and then explaining to them how if you have goal x y or z where you invest how much you invest how often you invest all of that plays into achieving your goals
1: excellent point anybody who's entering into the stock market it's not a goal for the next year right these are long-term goals and again building helping the teenagers build that wealth over time there is no better place in the stock market to do that but again these goals need to be out there five plus years
2: So when it comes to these apps that, uh, I mean, you can create an account and trade on your phone moment to moment, should you let your teenager have access to that to to sort of, uh, I mean, I feel silly even asking it, but I mean, it seems like that's potentially challenging.
1: Yeah, more and more companies are getting into this game where they want to try to, remember, they're not doing this out of the benevolence of their heart. They're trying to grab these kids early and keep them as clients over their lifetime. But parents really need to understand, they need to read the disclosure material and the fine print first and foremost. Parents need to know what they're on the hook for and what they're liable for and what their obligations are. So before just letting your child, your teenager, just flip on an app, put some money in and start investing, you have to know your your obligations. And obviously, this reading material isn't easy reading material, but it is so critically important to understand what your child's getting into and what you're getting into as well.
2: Do the trading houses give parents any kind of tools to help them uh, so that they can, again, allow their children to get experience with this without necessarily ruining themselves financially?
1: Yeah, whatever guidelines, guideposts, guardrails that the firm can put up. You want to give children potentially autonomy, but not too much autonomy. I mean, if it's for us, you're just not giving your uh, an app to a child in a taxable account and letting them have at it because there's tax ramifications and all the different things that come into play. But again, it's really important to understand having that investment plan to begin with. And then the guardrails and the parameters of keeping those kids from potentially, you know, financially hurting themselves is really important. So look for those those apps, look for those uh, resources that give the, the, the kids some guidance, but not enough to, again, make them hurt themselves financially.
2: Talk about how it may be easy it is to get one of these accounts set up for your kids. I mean, it, it doesn't seem like it's really all that much.
1: It's, it's really not. I mean, again, that is one of the, the benefits, but also the challenges where it's easy to set up, it's easy to go. But again, understanding all the nuances behind the platform. And, and again, your obligations is important. It doesn't take a lot of money. It doesn't take a lot of time. But again, sitting down and taking the time to have those good conversations about money with your kids and their goals is going to be a lot more important than just being able to flip on an app, put some money in and go.
2: Really good advice. Thanks so much, Ed Jertsen, founder of Engage Wealth Group, getting your kids investing at an early age. Next, we'll talk about kids getting their first credit card. When should it happen and what kind of credit card should they get? Your daily transaction for useful information. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Teaching young people how to properly handle a credit card can provide them with a valuable financial skill. Joining us on the McGrath Lexus Business Line, Ted Rossman, industry analyst at CreditCards.com. Ted, I, I guess a lot of parents probably hear that, kids and credit cards, and they immediately get a little scared. Should they be?
4: Well, there's a couple different versions of this. You know, one I would say right off the bat is if credit really scares you, there could be a way to impart a lot of the same lessons on a debit card. In fact, there are a number of debit cards that are targeted specifically at teens, like the Greenlight card, the Go Henry card. Uh, Even Chase has a flavor of this that they call Chase First Banking, and it's actually free for Chase customers. And, you know, the common thread between all these is, you're teaching your kids about money, you're giving some independence, but there's also some control, so you can approve or prove certain transactions, you can get real-time alerts in what's going on. I still like the idea of using credit, but if it really scares you, this is still a way to learn using a card without the debt angle.
2: Yeah, we're uh, kind of having some trouble with your line there, Ted, so we'll call you back here and reconnect. Uh, one of the things that a lot of people go back and forth on is whether you use uh, some sort of like a, a prepaid debit card or maybe a debit card that is connected to a bank account. Uh, that way, the kids aren't necessarily racking up all kinds of debt that they are going to be unable to pay back. That that sort of debt can kind of hover and hang out there for a lifetime, and that's one of the big concerns of parents. Uh, what should they do? Do they start? start with a prepaid debit card or a debit card tied to a bank account or go right ahead with a credit card.
4: So, you know, I do think that building credit is important. So, you know, you can get on a parent's credit card as an authorized user. That I would personally suggest around age 16 or 17 because by then You're somewhat independent. Maybe you're driving, you're going out with your friends. It also jumpstarts your credit history, which will serve you really well once you join the real world and want to rent an apartment and get a car loan and and all that stuff. I still think there should be guidelines. Some companies like American Express even let you set spending limits on authorized users. So I think you've got to work closely with your kids. Personally, I think the mid-teenage years are a good time to start But that said, you know, if this whole thing scares you, I still think you can teach a lot of those same lessons with a debit card because it's different than cash, right? Like if you're only teaching your kids with bills and coins, I think you're doing them a disservice.
2: And the big key is just understanding how it works, right? I mean, not necessarily whether they can potentially have debt or the money's coming right out of an account, but understanding how to keep track of it all.
4: The biggest lesson from an early age has to be that You need to pay these cards off on time, in full. Credit card interest is really high. The average is 16%. There can be a ton of great benefits like rewards and buyer protections and fraud protections. But it's really important to realize that debt angle and that you don't want to use this as an excuse to overspend. It's real money. You have to pay it back. Sometimes parents can even come up with teaching tools like You know, charging their kids a nominal amount of interest from an early age. I'm not talking about gouging them, but this whole idea that if you want that toy today and you don't really have the money for it, it might cost you more tomorrow. I think even at an elementary school level, you know, you're not going to charge your kids 20 percent interest, but I think you could start to impart some of these lessons so that by the time they're on their own, they don't just view it as magic money and a reason to overspend.
2: Thanks so much. Really appreciated. Ted Rossman, industry analyst at creditcards.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role.
0: Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.
2: News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Cisco Codo. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. The U.S. Department of Justice sets out gun trafficking in America's cities, trying to stop it. Chicago's one of the cities. It's Technology Thursday. A cell phone is an important and expensive necessity these days. We'll discuss when it's time for kids to get their first phone. Websites for Delta Airlines, Capital One, AT&T, and Costco are among companies being impacted by technical issues today. We'll get the latest on that. On the markets, things fairly flat. The Dow up two, NASDAQ up 43, and the S&P is up four points. Oil today is up one and a half percent. It's back in the $71 range. We have some clouds, also some sunshine, and a chance for some scattered rain later on this afternoon. 76 degrees right now, heading up to a high of 84 degrees. U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland is in Chicago today meeting with law enforcement and community leaders about rising gun violence. The Justice Department has announced the formation of strike forces aimed at going after gun traffickers in major American cities. Police Superintendent David Brown is not saying much about the visit, at least not yet. I
6: promised my comms director that I wouldn't become a White House press secretary today on this uh, announcement. I, I, I would defer and uh, allow the, the, the local ATF special agent in charge uh, to uh, go further in their... Uh, the, uh, discussions with the media about the strike force.
2: A 14-year-old boy is dead. At least 17 other people are recovering from gunshot wounds after three separate mass shootings in Chicago last night. Several major websites have been down today in what appears to be a widespread outage. Delta Airlines, British Airways, Capital One, UPS, AT&T, Costco. They're among the sites, either loading slowly or showing system failure. Some of the issues appear to have been localized, meaning some users were able to access the sites while others could not. Coming up at 12.49, we'll talk with Jerry Irvine and get the latest on this outage. A reminder, Odyssey is your new home for all the audio that matters to you. Download the Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y, and listen to WBBM anytime. Making sense of your dollars, the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. A podcast of the Noon Business Hour, always available at WBBMNewsRadio.com and the Odyssey app. Markets pretty much at the flat line today. The Dow up 13, NASDAQ up 45, and the S&P is up five points. Let's see what's going on. The noon business hour, presented by the Village of Bedford Park. Bill Stone is here, chief investment officer at the Glenview Trust Company, based in Louisville. Bill, good to have you back on the show. What do you make of what you're seeing on Wall Street today?
6: Yeah, I think we've got a little uh, bit of you know consolidating our gains off of the the big losses on Monday, and then you know we got a little bit of a you know rocky start to the to the trading day with initial jobless claims of. A bit higher than expected, you know it'd been in a pretty steady pattern of those uh, claims continuing to go down, and it kind of shocked people uh, to see that and then obviously then worries creep in that we might be seeing layoffs related to the variant and some things like that that could be seen as slowing the economy to be honest it's unclear that that's you know it's one week and there's a, a fair bit of noise in terms of seasonal issues that creep in and this is just a different time than you typically have uh in the year with the supply chain disruptions and things but uh i think that's kind of put a little bit of a uh, dampener on the uh, on the markets today
2: the uh unemployment numbers that you mentioned the jobless claims uh kind of interesting there for investors because yeah it may be a blip or it may be a sign of a slowdown and you just don't know how to respond to it
6: that's exactly right i mean we've seen I would say underneath the surface of the market, so if you're really watching the bond market um, rather than stocks, you, you've seen it already, some of these worries of a slowing economy creep in there um, because, frankly, you don't get the 10-year treasury yield down at 1.26% without some sort of worries about you know what the future holds. So uh, I, I think that's, that, that's a big kind of uh, like cross-current out there right now.
2: Uh, Going forward, earnings season, what are you making of what you're seeing so far?
6: Well, I mean, it's hard to say, you know, enough good things about earnings season. I think that's part of why we bounced back so strong from uh, Monday uh, was really, I mean, there's hardly any companies that you don't see having a extremely strong earnings. Uh, They were already expected to have earnings growth of over 60% year over year. And on top of that, they're coming in, in most cases, well above that, particularly for the more economically sensitive industries. So, yeah, it's hard to, to, to be at all negative about that. Then the really, you know, the focus is really on what, the future holds but uh there's not much to i guess complain about in, in the uh the earnings front anyway
2: and and most of the companies as they've been reporting feeling pretty good that, that forward guidance they're feeling pretty good about that uh which is something investors are always really you know they, they enjoy good earnings today but they really want to know what's happening tomorrow Exactly.
6: Because that's what matters. If you're buying a stock today, you're not buying yesterday's earnings. You're buying tomorrow's earnings. And and that's exactly it. That's so much focus is on where at least companies think uh, we're going in the future and whether we can pass uh, price increases along and those types of things.
2: Thanks so much for all the insight. That is Bill Stone, Chief Investment Officer at the Glenview Trust Company. Just ahead, Technology Thursday, deciding the right time for your kids to get a cell phone. A deposit for your future. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Technology Thursday. A cell phone can be a big help for parents looking to stay in touch with their children. But what's the right age to get them a phone? Joining us on the McGrath Lexus Business Line, Jennifer Jolly. USA Today Tech Life columnist, founder and editor in chief of Techish.com. Uh, Jennifer, let's begin with that age. When is it appropriate? When is it a good idea to get that cell phone?
0: Well, parents are not going to love this answer, but there is no single right, I'm, I'm using my little bunny air quotes, no right age, because even though many parents polled by Pew Research, um, I think nearly 80 percent of parents feel like around the age of 12 is the right age, quote unquote, right age. Age isn't as important as your child's maturity level, their ability to follow rules both at home and in school, their sense of responsibility and your own family's needs. So you have to take a lot of things into consideration before you give them this powerful communication and media production and a door to the rest of the world device.
2: And that really, especially if you have more than one child, it really takes parents being diligent and firm about this because what one child could handle at age 12, another child might need to wait until age 14 for.
0: That's exactly right. First of all, does your child need just a simple way to call and check in, maybe text with you? and, uh, you know, maybe use it uh, to go do a little bit of homework now and again. You know, you can basically get kids a very pared-down version or a simple cell phone. Do they need a smartphone? No. The answer is children don't need to be running around with a $1,000 piece of electronics in their pocket. So that's a consideration. Are they good at, you know, hanging on to things? Is this something they might lose? Are you able to monitor their cell phone and their use of it? Uh, How familiar are you with parental controls? And how confident are you that you'll really be able to keep a handle and a a grip on their use of this kind of media?
2: Is there a thought that uh, maybe you just get them one of those old school flip phones so that way they can call you in an emergency? Or uh, does that just make your child hate you?
0: Well, a little of both, a little of both. You know, so I went through this with my own daughter, who's now 20, and she has really grown up well and responsibly and and has been able to self-manage too much social media, online bullying, things that most parents should be concerned about these days. Because we had these conversations and she started with an old fashioned flip phone, but there are kid friendly phones, things like that, you know, let you call, text, take limited amounts of photos, limited apps. Uh, Pinwheel is one of them, VTech Kitty Buzz, Relay Wireless, Screedless Phone. I mean, me as a, as a modern, busy parent, I have a lot of need to be able to get in contact with my child kind of anytime. Anywhere, But I also have to really balance that and manage that with, can they use a the cell phone responsibly? So there's a lot to consider before you hand this device.
2: Yeah. So, in general, it sounds like a, a lot of education to know that it's not just, okay, we've reached the point where they, they we think that they can handle a phone, but which one do we get and, and what kind of control do we want to have over it?
0: Absolutely flags things like are they sharing inappropriate photos are they communicating with strangers online but this is stuff that you have to talk about with your kids just like you say don't talk to strangers in the real world you have to have those rules and boundaries in the digital world as well
2: thanks so much jennifer jolly usa today tech life columnist Founder and editor-in-chief of Techish.com. Join us at this time tomorrow for Entrepreneur Friday. Still to come, an outage has impacted websites of multiple banks, airlines, and other companies today. We'll find out what's going on. Conversation that's on the money. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Several major websites were down or loading slowly earlier today. It appears to be a widespread outage. Let's get the latest now from Jerry Irvine, CIO of Prescient Solutions, member of the U.S. Secret Service Electronic Crimes Task Force based here in Chicago. Uh, Jerry, uh, what what information do we have on these outages so far? It seems not much.
5: Yeah, actually, it sounds like it was a or or they're reporting that it was a company called Akamai. Akamai is a a content delivery network. Uh, What they do is they have. Uh, thousands and thousands of servers all over the world so that when somebody goes out to look for a server, they they get Akamai server, which will be closer to them than the company's own server. And, and these servers are supposed to be hardened so that they uh, cannot be hacked as easily, uh, are not susceptible to denial-of-service de- denial attacks uh, or any of that. Um, but unfortunately, now, this is the second outage they've had in, in the last 30 days. Uh, there was an outage back in the second week of June uh, that was down for a little over an hour. And this one lasted for about 50 minutes and uh, affected a, a, at least 100 uh, large websites. Uh, interestingly enough, though, you don't hear about the little websites. So there are companies out there that host their Email and their web servers and everything with other hosting companies that also use Akamai so most likely there were there were you know multiple servers uh, hundreds of servers that were down as a result of this
2: and it, it can be something that is just hey you know legitimate something went wrong it can also be something more sinister and and yet we don't necessarily always know which is which
5: and and because akamai uh, their edge dns server is the the culprit it was the issue that they had problems with this uh, is lauded to be you know pretty much unhackable uh, and and to stop denial of service attacks so if it were something like that i'm i'm doubt that we're really going to hear it um, but they're saying at this point it was some type of configuration or hardware error uh, that resulted in this now the, the thing that we have to remember, though, is Akamai has a guaranteed 100% uptime. So the fact that they went down even for 50 minutes is going to cost them huge. Uh, we know Delta had some problems with their uh, people logging in there or you know getting into their flights. Uh, I'm sure there were a number of banks and other issues that are out there uh, that also had problems.
2: Yeah, because uh, with the uh, airlines, people can't check in for their flights. Now you got back logs at the uh, airport when everyone has to go check in there one-on-one.
5: Exactly. Now, another problem with these uh, incidents that occur is as soon as this happens, uh, hackers are alerted as well. So now they can go out and try to attack these devices that are already having problems and, and potentially get, gain an easier way of access. So it's not just a matter that it's an inconvenience with the system being down. It's also a vulnerability that allows uh, hackers then the the potential for gaining access.
2: Thanks so much, Jerry Irvine, CIO of Presian Solutions. A lot of major websites down, at least for a while today. If you missed any part of today's show, you can go to our stream and just skip back to the time you want. There's a pause and rewind function. It works both online and with the Odyssey app.